0: Here you go. Relocation frenzy. That's the nothing personal phrase of the day. It is Friday, November 17th, 2023. Yesterday I said it was November 16th, 2024. No idea why that happened. Thank you for that correction. Relocation frenzy in Major League Baseball. Anytime a team moves, it's a frenzy. We've seen a bunch of football teams move. We've seen basketball teams move. We haven't seen a baseball team move since 2005 when my former team, the Expos, became the Washington Nationals. And then the discussion started over who's got the franchise records? Is it the Senators or is it the Expos? Yesterday, I understand the emotion but I wanna cut through it and I wanna get right to what is going on. I'm not taking the victory lap over what I told you was gonna happen because it happened exactly that way. So those who had listened to previous shows, I assume were not as emotional as those who were new to Nothing Personal. So welcome to Nothing Personal where we tell you what's gonna happen, where we tell you the vote is gonna be 30 to zero for the A's to move to Vegas, where we tell you that every single media outlet from the sphere to the local news in Dubuque will say in their crawl, Major League Baseball owners allow relocation of Oakland A's to Las Vegas. Relocation of A's done. Here come the Las Vegas A's. Then we told you after, there's gonna be Rob Manford meeting the media in his press conference that happens after owners meetings, and he's going to have to do the two-step. The two-step is a dance. The dance is, how much can we give to the media without actually saying anything? Because today was not really a big deal. And we're gonna parade out John Fisher, we're gonna have Rob talk to the media. Then we're gonna allow the president of the Oakland A's, our dear friend, Dave Cavill, to give an interview, a and a to Evan Drelick. and together we'll examine and people will come away having learned nothing. I was in the business. The goal when you're meeting the media, the way we had to after contraction with with the Expos in 2001. Are the Expos gonna be contracted? New to the Marlins in 2002. Are the Marlins moving in 06, 07, 08, 09? Will they get a ballpark? Will they not? The ballpark's opening. When you are meeting the media, you are speaking to your fans through the media. You are giving little sound bites. You're giving little Easter eggs so that there can be hope in one place without dread in the other. So you have to say things like, it's a sad day for Oakland, but it's a happy day for Vegas. That's like the end of the World Series. The parade, that's a happy day for Texas, a sad day for Arizona. What does that actually mean? When you are hearing sound and statements where people are explaining to you here's what we did, it didn't work, now here's what we're doing. Does that sound as though that's excuse making? It's not. That is merely what in our mind as executives, we believe is the best way to communicate to fans when something happened that we wanted to happen or something is happening that we want to happen. Key verb tense usage there alert when something is happening that we want to happen. What happened yesterday is present tense. What baseball needed to accomplish yesterday, they accomplished. Remove the owners from the equation. The commissioner's office spends a lot of time and energy trying to figure out how to get owners out of the way. That doesn't mean that The commissioner's office doesn't report to owners. It doesn't mean that owners aren't actually in charge of the future of their game. But the owners who voted 30 to 0 to allow and approve the A's relocating to Vegas did it based on the following one, a relocation committee that was started by Commissioner Manfred, consisting of the owner of the Royals, the Phillies, and the Brewers. The commissioner made it clear that that relocation committee worked very hard and that that relocation committee gave suggested analysis to the commissioner and the commissioner adopted everything that committee said. The executive council, which is a larger group of owners, adopted everything the smaller group of owners said and then told the bigger group of owners. This is what the smaller group says. This is what the smallest group says. So this is what we should do. That's how MLB.com got started, folks. Every vote that goes to ownership. That's how collective bargaining agreements get signed and agreed to by owners, 30 of them because it starts with a small group, then it goes to a slightly larger group, and then the big group says, what do you guys think of that? You're in? Great, we're in too. There was not one time in my career where a small group of owners made a suggestion to a large group of owners, and the large group of owners said, eh, after further review, we'll go the other way. Every vote that is taken in Major League Baseball is known what the result will be before the first vote is cast. It's like controlling your board when you're running a company and understanding what needs to be done, leading the horse to the water and then sticking their snout in it and making them drink. Secondly, while I like the owners on the relocation committee, they are good owners, they are smart, smart men. It's the commissioner's office that does the work, but doesn't want the credit, doesn't take the credit. They want the owners to get the credit. So what the commissioner will tell you is that the relocation committee worked their tuchuses off. Hours and hours of meetings and analysis as though they were the ones doing the work on the market in Las Vegas and examining the projections. It's always people in the commissioner's office. Always. They do the work. When the executive council gets the information from the relocation committee, what information exactly did they get yesterday? Any information on where the A's are playing after 2024 and their lease runs out at the Coliseum? No, we don't have that. Any information on what the broadcast deal will be? No, we don't have that. But we looked at the proformas and we approved the proformas. What the hell does that mean? How can you agree with pro formas that are based on fantasy conjecture. And I don't say projection, those are called projections. You can project what you think your gate revenue is going to be. You can stress test it, have downside scenarios, base case scenarios, and upside scenarios. That's how I did projections every year. Downside, 800,000 people, base case, 1 million people, upside 1.2 million people. Of course, that line, which is what we talk to the public about is horse hockey. The only line that we talk about that should matter to you is the revenue. What's the downside revenue for the Oakland A's in Vegas? What's the base case and what's the upside? We don't have a broadcast deal, we don't know. What's the cost to the industry of no new stadium in Oakland? We don't know. When the commissioner tells you that they could play in one of three places, did he mention the fact that the TV deal that they have in Oakland only applies if the team is playing in the Bay Area? They can't play at the AAA in Vegas and keep their Oakland TV deal. It's absolutely ridiculous. I want to give you some specific sound that came from the press conferences yesterday and then address the specific issues in that sound. I wanna start with the commissioner telling you what a terrible day it was in Oakland
1: yesterday. I know, I know this is a terrible day for fans in Oakland. That is, I understand that, and that's why we've all had a policy of doing everything humanly possible to avoid a relocation. And I truly believe we did that in this case. I think it's beyond debate that the status quo in Oakland was untenable. Those of you who have been in the building understand what I'm talking about. And I absolutely am convinced that there was not a viable path forward in Oakland. So
0: important to listen to the last sentence versus the middle sentences. There is no debate that the Oakland Coliseum as it is right now is not a major league facility, but that was never a debate. It's not like the politicians in Oakland, nor the fans in Oakland, nor the owners in Oakland, nor the players in Oakland, nor the players union ever thought, Hey, we like this place. Maybe we can do better. No. Oakland Coliseum done. But the end of that clip is that there was no viable path to a deal. There is a big disagreement between the politicians in Oakland and the commissioner's office and John Fisher as to whether or not there was an actual deal to be done in Oakland. The reason why there's a difference of opinion is that when one party doesn't want to do a deal, you can always put up hurdles to stop a deal from happening. When you get A, you can ask for B. When you get B, you can say, that's all I want. You get B and say, well, wait a minute, I also want C. You can keep asking for things and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where at some point, the person you're negotiating with says, you keep moving the bar. There is no way to get to a deal with you. That can be on the owner, that can be on the public entity, that can be on either side of a negotiation. The theme of his opening sound there is how seriously Rob takes relocation. Of course he does he doesn't want to relocate out of Oakland. It is a really important market for baseball. This is not a good day for him, for baseball at all. How about the sound about the deal in Oakland? Because I want you to hear more specifics about whether or not there was ever a done deal. Keep in mind, after this sound, when I say the words to you, never and done are the key words
1: an effort over more than a decade uh, to find a stadium solution in Oakland. It was John Fisher's preference. It was my preference. As a matter of fact, the first trip I made after I was elected commissioner was to Oakland uh, to talk to John about trying to get something done there. It didn't happen, you know, a lot of back and forth. But the fact of the matter is that there there was never a deal in Oakland.
0: There was never a deal in Oakland. Those words can never be countered by the politicians because that is what lawsuits are made of. When you think you've got a deal with someone and the other side does not believe you have a deal and you go to court, there is a discussion. Is there a contract? Is there a signed contract? Was there a meeting of the minds? If the commissioner views that there was never a deal in Oakland, it actually doesn't legally matter or practically matter whether the mayor of Oakland or the fans of Oakland or the city council in Oakland or anyone else thinks, hey, we were only 8 million apart. We were a hundred million apart. We were done. It was great. We were ready to build. We were spending money on infrastructure. That's all sound signifying nothing. Never a deal in Oakland literally means only there was never a deal in Oakland. He's not talking to whether Oakland would do a deal, whether John Fisher would, whether the mayor would. He was merely giving you a point of fact. What else came out in this press conference that would have infuriated me as a team president when I was told with the Expos, you can't move the Expos. There's going to be a relocation fee that you will not be able to afford john fisher is moving the a's to vegas in theory and there's no relocation fee but is there let's hear what the commissioner said about the relocation fee
1: um, that a relocation fee in this particular situation um, was inappropriate um, we there was significant um, expenditures by um, John Fisher and his family to get the stadium built. Um, it's a billion and a half dollar project. Um, that was really important. Um, we also felt that in terms of the public support that was available, um, the the waiving of a relocation fee um, made that support stronger. Um, and, you know, we wanted to go into the market in a way that the people in the market felt like Um, You know, we were making an investment in them and looking to grow the game. That's the best I can do for you in that one.
0: Yeah, we could have done a little better. So it's an investment in the market by waiving the relocation fee. Actually, if you view the market as strong and one that you really wanna be a part of, then owners would be running all over themselves, jumping all over themselves to move into that market. And therefore you'd give it to the highest bidder or better yet, you'd make it an expansion market would it be a market worthy of an expansion fee? Because think about what the commissioner wants you to believe, that the market is so good and the relationship with the public is so important that we're going to waive the relocation fee. But if there were no relocation and a deal got done in Oakland and Vegas became an expansion city, do you think that they would waive the expansion fee to get a new team in Vegas? Of course not. So really, what simply should have been said is we waived the upfront relocation fee. However, if John Fisher sells the team after moving to Vegas, getting a new stadium and increasing its value, we are charging a flip tax to John Fisher. We don't want him taking advantage of the Las Vegas market or of the possibility of the Las Vegas market and coming in and not being the owner who we hope and know him to be. And if he just flips the team, we're gonna get that money. Flip tax, I negotiated a flip tax provision, paid a flip tax when the Marlins got sold, but paid it to the public. Of course, the definition of a flip tax is inside an agreement. You can define the calculation of profit just like we told the city and county in Miami. The team got sold for 1.2 billion and we sent a document saying the profit was actually zero it doesn't mean the profit was zero. What it means is according to the calculation and the definition in the calculation, we can make it so the profit is zero. But we negotiate that up front. Ended up settling with the city and the county, but be that as it may, the bottom line is there is a relocation fee. It's just gonna happen after not before, and we won't know exactly what that flip tax provision is until it gets leaked. And the interesting part here is nothing has been leaked. The commissioner said, there's a binding construction agreement. Binding to who? Between who? No one asked the question. And when it was asked, there was no answer. A construction agreement is between the public entity and the private entity. And then there's an agreement between the private entity and the construction manager. What the president of the A said is, It's a guaranteed max price. I built a ballpark. You can have a contract with a guaranteed max price, except there are 25 variables in that contract because no contractor will give you a guaranteed maximum price right now when they don't have the facts about the site or the design. How can you have a guaranteed maximum price when you don't know what you're building? Oh, Christ, we need 100,000 more tons of steel? Didn't know that. I wanna see the contract, show me the GMP if you are the Oakland A's. In terms of the construction agreement between the public and private entity, where is it? It's gotta be a public document. The deal between MGM and the A's over building the ballpark on nine acres on the strip, where's that agreement? What's being told to us is these agreements are all getting ready. They'll be done by December, January, February, some of them now. What exactly were the owners voting on? They didn't have any information, but that wasn't the point of the meeting or the vote yesterday. The point was to get MLB owners out of the way, get any approvals required out of the way, so then the rest of the work can be done. There are so many steps left for the Oakland A's to relocate to Las Vegas. That any thought by anyone in either market that this is done is simply incorrect. It doesn't mean it's not going to get done. It means it's not done. Getting MLB owner's approval was a necessary step, not the final step. Everyone would have you believe it's all done. So given that, when you are the owner of a team, what do you do? I've had to meet the media so many times after some of these owners meetings where you're speaking to different markets, you're trying to figure out, your employees are listening, your fans are listening, your players are listening. John Fisher had some important statements he had to make and they decided that they would do it both live at the podium, then he would release a statement, then he would release a letter. It was a three-prong approach. Let's listen to John Fisher's comments at the podium.
2: Rob said uh, today is an incredibly difficult day for Oakland A's fans. Um, It's a great day for Las Vegas. Um, I I wanna thank uh, the commissioner who is tireless in his uh, and his team's efforts to try and find a solution here and work closely with us and with the uh, Oakland and Las Vegas communities um, to try and find a solution for a new stadium for the A's, which has always been uh, our goal. I understand this is an incredibly difficult day for Oakland fans. Um, and uh, I just want to say we gave we every effort and did everything we could to try and find a solution there. Um, and it was only in the last couple of years that we began to turn our attention to another market, that being Las Vegas. Um, I'm very excited about the opportunity in Vegas. The fans there are terrific. Um, The success of the Raiders and the Golden Knights has shown, as well as our own AAA team, the Aviators has shown uh, just how successful professional sports can be in that market. And we really look forward to opening day in, in 2028 and bringing some of the success of the historical success of the athletics to las vegas
0: i think we could have workshop that a little bit and let me go in order one a new stadium in oakland has always been our goal clearly you want to change your tense on that because when you're focused solely on vegas for a period of months if not a year then you don't want to use the word always you can say had always been our goal i would have been okay with that verb tense matters focus on it two The last few years is when we started with other markets. The problem with saying statements like that is people go back in time and they see that actually the A's tried to move to San Jose. The A's were trying to get out of Oakland for decades under John Fisher, under Lou Wolf. So make sure when you put a time period on something, do it right, people are listening. Then fans in Vegas. I love this. We love this market because of the Raiders and the Golden Knights. The president of the team said, we love this market because look at F1, look at the sphere, look at the tourism, 45 million people a year coming to Vegas. 280 bucks to go to Cirque du Soleil, only 100 bucks to go to a football game. People are going. It's a great entertainment option. There is zero buzz about the Las Vegas A's, zero and I know Vegas and I know people in Vegas and I know people in the casinos. Not a look at me, Louis. I'm just telling you, I have been speaking to people in Vegas. There has been not one season ticket sold. I want to explain why that matters. When expansion comes, which it will, even though the commissioner told you we haven't even thought about an expansion, that's not true. This has all been about expansion. One of the things that cities will have to do is show what their revenue is going to be, what their fan base is. It's going to come in the form of those $50 season ticket deposits where they can show, look, we've got 10,000 full season ticket equivalents. We've got 20,000 people on the list who are interested in tickets for this. We haven't seen that in Vegas yet. We have a naming rights. We have the following corporate sponsors who are interested, so our corporate revenue will be blank. That would be helpful for the relocation committee to have known. Nope, no information on that. So we're just gonna guess. But then the team president says, we're gonna start studying revenue now. Go look at what the team president said. Listen to the words of John Fisher, Rob Manford. This was the goal, this vote. Now we can start doing the other stuff. That may be the single biggest horse hockey comment of the entire day. All we were doing was getting focused on this relocation vote. This vote was in the bag from day one. This vote has never been the issue. It's not like when there's a small market caucus and a large market caucus, and you're worried about eight teams blocking and you're politicking, give me a break. The reason why they're able to kick the can is that they can say they were focused on the vote but now they have to truly give us answers on what's real. And what's real is not saying that Vegas is a great market because of the Golden Knights and the Raiders. I wanna hear why Vegas can have three professional sports teams up from zero. I wanna hear not because you hired a consultant to say what you wanted him to say, because that's obvious. I wanna hear how you are gonna handle being in Vegas, what your plan will be as it relates to your success in Oakland on the field, how you can expect that in Vegas. Payroll, even though there are no answers, that's the kind of thing that the fans want to hear. I don't know what the payroll will be in Vegas in 2028, and neither do they. But to just give you a blanket statement that Vegas has been great for the Raiders and for the Knights. I mean, by the way, I'm talking about off-field. Let's not talk about on-field. The Golden Knights have been fantastic. The Raiders obviously have not been great in Vegas. I think they've had four coaches in four years in Vegas, but that's not really relevant. I'm really focused on the revenue, the corporate opportunities, who's supporting them, who's standing up excited, where is the community rallying? I just don't know. So I conclude this portion of the show by saying I can, Picture owners coming out like Mark Walter of the Dodgers and saying, Oakland's not sustainable. They've worked on it for a long time. You can't play in that stadium. We know you can't play in the Coliseum. We know there has to be a new stadium somewhere. We know that Oakland's going to lose revenue sharing without a done deal by January of 24. These are facts. What we don't know is whether or not Vegas will be better than Oakland as a market. What we don't know is, is whether there's a stadium deal done in Vegas. What we don't know is what the timing of any announcement will be of any meaningful progress in any agreements. What we don't know is almost anything. What we do know is what we knew long ago, that 30 owners in a roll call vote when asked to approve relocation based on zero useful information, zero. All were willing to vote yes. That's all. When we come back, we're going to review a movie that you asked me to see and I did. And then we're going to remind you about some baseball awards and baseball predictions. Don't go away because if you think we're not going to mention F1, you're incorrect because we are. It's going on in Vegas. And we'll see how that's going right after the break.
3: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
0: Welcome back to nothing personal. Someone asked me to watch the movie called She Came to Me with Peter Dinklage and Marissa Tomai and Anne Hathaway. It is a movie about a writer who has a composer who's got writer's block that's Peter Dinklage, and Peter Dinklage is married to Anne Hathaway, and Peter Dinklage meets this tugboat captain named Marissa Tomai, somehow has a thing with her, somehow ends up becoming his muse because that's a thing in movies, which is awesome. The story is full of cliches. The movie is a small piece of brilliance. The performances by the three leading actors, Anne, Marissa, and Peter, are outstanding. Not award-worthy, because we're getting into award season, but outstanding. I paid 7 dollars to rent it, or $6.99, and I felt as though I got the value, not the streaming company. The movie She Came to Me, script, thumbs up. Acting, double thumbs up. The score, triple thumbs up. How you feel at the end of the movie, only one thumb up. It's called She Came to Me. Okay. Let's go back now. What does that mean, the hot ones? Coca, I don't know what that means. He's talking to me right now. Oh, from Pablo's show. What? I have no idea what that is. Oh, the hot ones with the hot sauce? What do you want to know about that? How I feel? I feel great. So I was on Pablo Torrey finds out and he did a show. It came out yesterday about uh, my lack of taste or smell. And he did a deep dive and I opened my kimono to him. And to end it, He just, he said, would you come back into the studio? Because we got a very well-known person who I didn't know until yesterday. Now I follow on Twitter and I think it's great whose name I I forget right now. And very, very popular. He does hot sauces, Sean Evans. So Sean Evans asked me to taste three different hot sauces that were off the charts in terms of hot. Pablo couldn't do it. He did two of the three. I did all three. After the taping, Pablo was sick and it didn't even impact me because A, I couldn't taste it or smell it. My eyes weren't tearing. I didn't feel sick. People are wondering whether I got hot rim and whether I had a problem in my tummy. And the answer was the wings were terrible, but the hot sauce was fine. Okay. Postseason awards are done. So this is the time in the show when we tell you what we said was going to happen and then see whether or not we were right. Again, accountability. That's all I ask of anyone else and that's what I delivered to you. I think it was clear when I told you what was gonna happen preseason that I was gonna have a few things wrong and a few things right. I had the Blue Jays, Twins and Astros winning the divisions in the American League. The Twins and Astros won the division. That's two out of three. It ain't bad. I had the Yankees and Mariners in the wild card. That didn't work. I had the Braves, Cardinals and Dodgers winning the division. How did we do? Two out of three amp bad again. But I had the Mets and the Padres in the wild card. No good. So I'm down a little money. Until I had the Astros over the Braves in the World Series. Uh-oh, 0 for two. But I had Framber Valdez and Max Fried winning the Cy Young. Nope. Now I'm really down. Until last night when the MVPs were announced, and Shohei Ohtani was the unanimous MVP of the American League, and Ronald Acuna was the unanimous MVP of the National League. Guess what I predicted before the season started? At plus 1,000, I predicted Acuna, we're now up money. At plus 200, I predicted Ohtani, we're up more money. So I got the MVPs right, the Cy Youngs wrong. I want to point out from the postseason awards and congratulate Garrett Cole for his first Cy Young. And then I want to do what also people don't often do with a microphone is give you a mea culpa. I spend a lot of time telling you that I'm not a fan of Blake Snell. I don't like five and dive pitchers. I don't like pitchers who walk a lot of hitters, even if they get out of it. I don't want extra traffic on the bases and I want length because I don't want extra innings in the bullpen. Blake Snell was unhittable in the latter part of last season and easily won the NL Cy Young for the San Diego Padres. And he has now become, I want to get this right, the second left-hander in history to win the Cy Young Award in both leagues. He won it in Tampa, now he's won it in San Diego. There's only seven players ever who have won it in both leagues. Listen to this list. Gaylord Perry, if you've never heard of him, you ought to. Pedro Martinez, best I've ever seen. Randy Johnson, Roger Clemens, Roy Halladay, Max Scherzer, and Blake Snell. As much as I can say that Blake Snell's name doesn't belong in that group, it does because it is. Congratulations to Blake Snell. And the timing was outstanding because he's a free agent. Ooh, open your checkbooks, folks. Make sure that you line up first to overpay Blake Snell. Jump all over each other. Go read the predictions. Oh, by the way, GMs and presidents, we don't look at the articles that have all the free agent trackers and predictions. Oh, Blake Snell, six years, $210 million. Ah, that's what we should offer him. We never even look at that stuff. All the free agents, we got some wrong, we got some right. Never looked at that, nor did our baseball people. But I'm gonna give you a wait to see on Blake Snell. When we say something's gonna happen, like with all of these predictions for the for pre-baseball season, we'll revisit it. Here's one, Blake Snell, will not get five years in free agency. Every single article says at least five years for Blake Snell. Every single baseball person ought to be looking at Blake Snell and saying, ooh, let's not pay the guy at his max, at his best. He will never be better than he was last season. We are paying for declining performance. But David, he won the Cy Young in 08, and he won it again in, uh, not in 08, whenever he won it in 18, and now he won it again in 23. We're going to get that again? Nope. He will get under five years. Okay. We won a parlay yesterday in our Nothing Personal pick of the day. One second, please. Nothing Personal pick of the day brought to you by. We are 169 and 168. We had the heat and thunder in a money line parlay that was plus 158. We got that right. And then we had the injured Joe Burrow covering the spread against the Ravens and they got their ass kicked. My preseason Super Bowl pick was the Bengals, and I'm feeling rather miserable about it. So we are 169 and 168. Let me give you three picks. Tonight, we've got the Knicks two and a half over the Wizards. We're taking the Knicks. I've got one message for Jordan Poole. Overrated. Knicks two and a half over the Wizards. Hard being the number one guy, isn't it? Saturday, Louisville is plus one versus the Hurricanes in Miami. Miami. Louisville is getting a point, I guess because it's at Hard Rock. We're taking Louisville. Sorry, Hurricanes fans, or you're welcome. And then Sunday, if you think a new offensive coordinator isn't what was needed in Buffalo, then you've never replaced a coach midseason. It's brilliant. Josh Allen comes in and says, "Thank God, I don't have to throw interceptions anymore. This is awesome." I take personal responsibility for the fact that we had to hire the o- fire the OC, but now we've got the quarterbacks coach. Yeah. The good news is the Bills are playing the Jets. Aaron Rodgers needs a Jets loss because there's getting to be a little more pressure on him to return if they win a few games. Bills minus seven over Jets and the line could be 13 and you're still going to win that. In other news, Jim Harbaugh is still the coach of Michigan. Jim Harbaugh Is suspended for three games. Jim Harbaugh was unhappy with the Big Ten Conference. Michigan was willing to leave the Big Ten Conference. Tony Petiti was not shaking in his britches over Michigan and their upset over the Big Ten metting out punishment over the sign stealing scandal in college football with the Italian Scallion. But all of a sudden, yesterday, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan said, you know what? Let's move on. We're good. We'll take the three-game suspension for Jimmy. He'll sit out the next two games. You ready? sat out one and let's just, let's be done with this. And then the Big 10 sent out a statement and Michigan sent out a statement. And what's noteworthy about their statements is how different they were. Michigan wanted to make sure in their statement, the conference has confirmed that it is not aware of any information suggesting Coach Harbaugh's involvement in the allegations. That's a very important point that Michigan needs to make. They need to have the back of their coach and say, hey, this was a rogue guy. Harbaugh had nothing to do with it, didn't know. Hey, look at these scatter reports. God, is that convenient. Thank you. Santa, don't know where they came from. Didn't ask for him, but that's pretty cool to know exactly what the other team's going to do on third and eight. Amazing. God, how lucky am I? The Big Ten released a statement where they did not exactly exonerate Jim Harbaugh. What they said is that today's decision by the University of Michigan to withdraw its legal challenge is indicative of the high standards and values that the conference and the university seek to uphold. That's not very subtle. The Big Ten saying that Michigan withdrew its challenge, where Michigan said that all parties resolved the litigation, which is it? Was it resolved or dropped? Those are two different things because it can be resolved without something being dropped. Can it be dropped without being resolved? Hmm, chicken, egg? How come the Big Ten and Michigan couldn't get together and do a joint statement? Is that because Big Ten was unwilling to say that Jim Harbaugh wasn't involved, but Michigan needed it? Was it because that Michigan wanted to say that the litigation was resolved, but the Big Ten wanted to say that it was dropped? So they just said, you know what? We'll do separate statements. No one will read them together. No one will pay attention and we'll move on our way. What an absolute mess. Not even close to the mess in Vegas right now. Vegas, the city that is ready for football, it's ready for hockey. It wants basketball, LeBron, Shaq. It's getting baseball, maybe. Jimmy Dolan has the sphere, very cool. And now they have F1. This is the city that never sleeps. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Who doesn't love Vegas? By the way, a correction that came on davidsampsonpodcast.com, Coca. I actually said on the show, and I don't remember which show, whether it was on Levitard or on Nothing Personal, I said the prostitution was legal in Vegas. I was wrong. It is not. It is legal in other counties in Nevada, not the county where Vegas is. Apologies. did not want to impugn any of the morals or the moral people in Vegas. You know I love Vegas. The F1 has been a disaster. For all the people who bought the multi-thousand-dollar ticket packages when it first was announced and they were first made available, the million-dollar VIPs, congrats. I hope you're having fun. For the people who were willing to wait to buy tickets, the prices have gone down significantly. Why? It turns out demand and supply were not yet meeting on the curve. And when that happens, you have to adjust pricing. And so they did, yet still empty seats, which means they didn't adjust fast enough and the prices wouldn't go low enough. Or is it because it was cold out? Or because the Vegas event started at 10 p.m. local time? Is that too late in Vegas? It shouldn't be for the tourists. Why is it starting at 10 p.m. Vegas time? Because that's 1 a.m. East Coast time, outstanding perfect for all of us people on the East Coast who like F1. F1 is all about Europe. Don't kid yourself. Two, if you wanted to watch the practice, good luck. Canceled after eight minutes. A manhole cover got loose and F1 drivers are furious. Not just about the introductions and how the show went on and it was terrible, but how it was unsafe. Therefore, the practice shut down A nightmare scenario. You plan for an event, you invest hundreds of millions of dollars and the first on-track event, the practice canceled after eight minutes. No problem, we'll make it up day two. It'll be great. Guess what just happened? Practice number two, no fans allowed. The F1 in Vegas is off to the worst possible start. It is beyond recovery now. Whatever happens in qualifying and in the race will be overshadowed by all the issues that the local people have had about F1. They've been miserable about the construction. It's impacted their lives in ways that they didn't want, they didn't need, they didn't expect, and they're not profiting from. There is no incremental benefit to F1 in Vegas except the fact that F1 built a permanent $250 million paddock that they will use all year long, and there'll be permanent merch available all year long, and they want the F1 to come back to Vegas year after year, it is no longer a fait accompli that F1 will return to Vegas for the entire duration of the 10-year commitment, because it couldn't have gone worse this year. And we still have 50% of the races left to go, meaning qualifying and then the actual race. It's so bad that the owner of F1 had to actually come out and give you a quote. He had to make a statement. He had to apologize. The CEO of Liberty actually said, I want to apologize to all the Las Vegas residents and we appreciate that they have their forbearance and their willingness to tolerate us. That's too highfalutinous statement, my man. If you know the Vegas market, Here's what the statement is. The same as it would be in New York City or Paris or London or Podunk USA. The statement is, wow, did we screw this up. We should have done construction in a way where we communicated our plan way better to you citizens, where we structured in a way that was way less intrusive to your lives. And we're sorry. Don't use forbearance in a statement. He continued to say the money being spent shows how committed F1 is to racing in Vegas. First year of any event faces challenges, but don't worry, the disruption will decrease in future years because much of the work is now complete. Well, that sounds a hell of a lot like a wait to see, doesn't it? Because the problem is all the structures they built that were temporary, that's a lot of the disruption and then they get taken down, but then next year they get put up again. It's a lot of talk about Vegas during this show. It happens to be my favorite city next to Paris in New York. I conclude with this. If you are a fan of professional sports in Las Vegas, you've got two teams and you may have a third. If you are a fan of professional sports in Oakland, you had three teams and you may have zero. The reason why the word may is used in both scenarios is that we don't know. We're gonna wait to see, just like you and just like me. Well, have a great weekend. There was so much going on this week and all of it fell under the same umbrella of it's just business. To all the fans in Oakland, to all the fans in Vegas, hey, it's nothing personal.